The spotlight is on the food and agribusiness sector in terms of equality and representation, with a review of gender issues in progress by the Department of Agriculture and public scrutiny of the sector's gender pay gap reports. My name is Nancy Fallon and I want to be part of the drive for change by giving a platform to women across the food and agribusiness sector. So here I am with Alice Doyle, Chair of the Farm, Family and Social Affairs Committee of the IFA. You're very welcome to join me, Alice, today and to share your insights. Thank you very much, Nancy. Great to be with you. So taking that role as your chair as of the um, Farm, Family and Social Affairs Committee in the IFA, a tongue twister for sure, um, and indeed drawing on your experience as a farmer, what do you think are the obstacles which women face in terms of taking an active role in farming today? I look at you, they're, they're numerous, I suppose, really, but they're lessening. That's the good start. So we start with the positive that they are lessening, but they are, they are, they are numerous. And I suppose the first one is, uh, I suppose, the fact that a lot of farmers are still seen as males and the farming structure is still seen as males. You know, it's historical. We go back right to the Stone Age man where the man hunted and gathered, the woman was at home and there was an obstacle then. Uh, there was later on then the patriarchal society where the male passed on the farm to the son. Uh, and that's changing, thanks be to goodness. But we still have a bit of it you know we it take a while to get rid of all of that so i think that's the first one when it comes to inheritance that it's still seen as the son uh, is the one who is the main inheritor or will be the, identified as the main inheritor that's one the, there's an area around finance um a lot of women still would find it quite difficult to get finance and i think some of it too is a lack of confidence within themselves to know that they can go out and look for that con for that finance but it wouldn't be seen as being very free to give finance to women and a lot of women too who work on farms they they have alternative enterprises on the farm so they're trying to run an independent business but connect it to the farm so they find that they actually have to go through the the the, the partner on the farm who's often the male to get the finance to start the business and I think that's an, another another problem. And I suppose too, there's always the you know the old historical thing that uh, the woman was the the helper on the farm rather than the that the main driver on the farm, which is quite untrue. The woman was often the driver in the background because the you know the old adage behind every good man there was a really good woman, and we didn't get the recognition. But uh, so I suppose a little bit of lack of recognition still is also a problem. Yeah, no, we, I, I think you're right. Like, it's interesting. They re, women really were the backbone to farming in many ways for many, many years. And it's about trying to, well, a, if they want to continue to be that, that that's fine too. But be, those that want to take a more active role, it's to trying to encourage that. And as you have articulated there very clearly, there are lots of obstacles. And how do you think the farming sector would benefit from having better female representation? Well, I think it's like in general, women bring a balance to the table. And, you know, if you look around most households, uh, whether it's farming or non-farming, but particularly in farming, most of the decisions are made around the kitchen table. And again, it's due to the fact, I think, that we don't get recognition for the fact that we do it. We do do it. Mm. We do put that balance there. We do bring that, that uh, you know, it's it's the evening off of things. I often notice, you know, in, in the household that the farmer, when we say the farmer being the male, is the one who wants to, you know, buy the big machine, wants to get the extra land, wants to go ahead. The woman brings a bit of a level thinking into it and said well you know we can buy that tractor but it can only be so much because so much is needed for to do other things in the farm it's not all about just that bit their wider focus and I think women you know can be very tuned in to budgets they're tuned in to uh, the, the minutia of how, how farms run and how businesses run and farm is a business and women are definitely more tuned into that minutia than the the men are the men see the, the big picture but they don't see the the detail that's required to keep it going and I, I think it's just good balance and again male female that balance is there and i think that's important 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting. It, the balance is it's it's the right thing to do. But equally, as you say, a farm is a business and it has to be a business. And bringing kind of different skill sets actually will benefit the farm. So overall, it's, it's a win-win, both in terms of having more representation, but also the farm will probably be the better for it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think the younger women coming into farming now, you know, we talk to them, and I talk to them quite a bit about that, about transferring skills from off-farm jobs. Um, I worked off-farm myself, for example, for years, and I know the skills that I use used in my off-farm job were very transferable back to the farm mm-hmm. because the farm was a business. And when I talk to younger women, I would say to them, be very aware of that, that, you know, don't feel that you're coming onto a farm, that you don't have any skills to offer here. Uh, but you do, you, you're bringing whatever you work in, you will have skills that transfer because you're going from one business to another. And I think that's the recognition now that farm is a business. It's just not a, a hobby or it's not just a vocation. It's that too. Uh, well, it's a vocation, certainly, maybe not a hobby, but certainly a vocation. <laughs> but it, it is a business and being a business there are skills that are transferable from off-farm jobs, whether it's, you know, it, it may be office skills that are transferred, it's confidence skills, it's uh, negotiation skills, it's communication skills and management skills. A lot of young women are coming with from management backgrounds and that management coming on to farm uh, is, is absolutely huge. So it's good to see those young people and particularly young women coming back to farm, whether they're either, you know, mar- marrying onto a farm or coming back to run a family farm. But they're, it's very important that they realise that they're bringing those skills and not to be afraid to put those skills out there and to say, well, I do bring a skill set here. Mm-hmm. I'm not just coming and marrying in to the farm. I am bringing my baggage, you know, my, my, and I mean good baggage mm-hmm. with me. I'm bringing a bag of skills with me that are, are very good and very transferable. Absolutely. Being proud and standing up for themselves and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I can add value. It's, it's not just about being you know, as you say, marrying in or just taking a, a back seat and it's actually being part, very much part of the business and very much part of driving it. And and it's interesting that you talk about, you know, we are seeing change at the moment. Um, there's change across all sectors, but particularly in the agri-sector and farming, you feel that there's an energy about it now. And, and I suppose looking at the, the National Dialogue for Women in Agriculture, and I know you were, you were a part of that as well. What would you like to see coming out of that to try and help women face those obstacles? I think the biggest thing I'd like to see them is that they be given the confidence to believe in themselves that they have a value and that they have a role that they can play and that that role will be recognised. Um, a lot of young women there, you know, either have farms, have inherited farms now in their own right, which is improving, which is great, they're taking over, or they're, they're coming on to farms and whatever way it is. But I'd like those to be given the, the confidence to express themselves that they have a value. Uh, and I think a lot of the young women are seeing that and they're beginning to realize you know that they are getting support in that area now some of it is a little bit lip service at the moment i'm a little concerned that it's not as concrete as i'd like it to be uh, but at least the lip service is starting which is, yeah. is a start uh, to, so that confidence is really important mm-hmm. I, I want that i would also like the recognition for for what they do that their value is is concern you know is considered to be important mm-hmm. um and i i think again we're getting there slowly uh, and I'd like, to, uh, I just think that women generally just need to believe in themselves. Uh, they, they, to realize that they're not, you know, unique in the sense of that they can't be like what a farmer does, what the farmer traditionally did. Yeah. They can do it. You know, machinery has taken over from the fact that you don't have to be physically, you know, robust to do it, which would have been why a man was always considered the farmer. Now most of the work is not physical. It's uh, intellectual and mental, and a lot of women can do uh, an awful lot of that as well or better than men. So I think that's where I would like to see it going. But I'd also like to see from a financial point of view that there will be recognition given to women that they can get financed in their own right uh, for businesses that they want to set up, particularly as I said, alternative businesses on farms, which will become more and more important to supplement mm-hmm. the farm income. 
you're going to have to think outside the box and women are good at that and they can provide some of that on the farm so to provide that finance is important and then I think organizations like ourselves like IFA and other organizations to give women that space where they can express what they want and to show that they can play a role in policy for farming uh, which is important that necessarily hasn't always been the way and I think there is room for that because women are good policymakers too and we do contribute very positively to how things should be going and we're very practical and I think that's missing greatly in agriculture at the moment and I think women would bring that into it. Yeah, and that brings me to I suppose a point to just expand on a bit a bit more broadly but I suppose you are the first female candidate that is running for um, deputy president in the IFA in the history I think 68 year history of the IFA and I paraphrase something which you said recently I'll probably say it slightly incorrectly but you said that no matter what happens you'll have put a crack in in the ceiling in terms of allowing women to come through in the IFA and more broadly in farming I think that's a, a very a massive understatement I think actually taking that step is a really important step and I think it'll show you as a real role model for all those women that you've talked about who are looking to have confidence and to believe in their value and and to have an active role in on the farm and in the farming sector but I mean as I say I think it's 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 a massive step forward in terms of being a role model but what really drove you to do it? A number of things I suppose originally I never would have had that vision you know but the more I got involved in, in it uh, and I've always been involved in you know I suppose in, in farming politics and from Macrona Pharma I was at national level there yeah. and then through IFA I've come up through the ranks I suppose but I, I do see the value for women, you see, and I do see where we bring a difference uh, and we bring a nice, uh, this good balance, but we bring a positivity as well and we bring uh, planning and we bring foresight into it. And from my experience in IFA, I've always been very well looked after, even though I was the, you know, the, the, one of the few yeah. females yeah. regularly at a, at a meeting, but I was always well respected within the organisation. But I did see the need that women have to make a mark and it, women will do what they see being yes. done. And a lot of it's perception. Women were always well looked after in IFA. But they didn't. They didn't always necessarily come out to find out what it was like. They saw it as a male organisation because originally that's what it was. You know, back in the 1950s when it was set up, that was the culture of the time. Mm -hmm. All men, all farmers, women didn't come, and they didn't feel comfortable walking into a room of you know 50 men. So you kind of they didn't do it. But I think they will do it if they see it being done. And now that they see that a woman can come up through the ranks and can put a mark. And as I said, yeah, I do believe that whether I win, lose, or draw here. There, there will actually be no losing because if, if I win and I become win the, the, the race and I do become deputy president, great, I will be the first woman to do it. If I don't, I have shown that women can do it. And I, if I don't make it, I hope to make it. I'm very positive about it. If I don't, it'll be a close race, I assure you. But I do think it will happen. And I do think it will, I think by running, I'm cracking the ceiling. If I can make it, I've broken it. And if women see that that has been broken, they will come up along because we've had some very good women coming up to county level <laughs> and, you know, going to an international council because they were county chairs didn't take the next step. So I think this is this is just showing one step at a time. It's gradual. My predecessors would have got to the county level. I've taken it one step further and I'm just hoping that if they see that I will I try to do it and if I can break it. I think we will see more women in the future. I even see on my own committee, which is the uh, Farm Family and Social Affairs Committee, it's majority women, but we do have some men on it. But I see the women now, their confidence is rising from that committee because their chair is running for a national position. And a couple of them have already gone for county positions, which they wouldn't have done in the past. But they realize, well, if she can do it, and she's giving us the example, we can do it too. And I would encourage women to see that, that this is the way to go.
Yeah, oh, I completely agree with you. If, if you can't see it, you can't be it. it. It's the adage that we have. And I think, I know you only say crack. I definitely feel you crack through regardless whether you, you win, lose or draw, as you say, I think you crack through. But um, it, it's interesting, like obviously, you know, it kind of been turning slightly. Obviously, you've taken a very active role in the IFA, but then equally, you obviously have a farm business as well. And you're very much in partnership with your husband. And probably, I'm sure you would say that you need to be in a partnership in order to be able to do both. Do you think that kind of concept of partnership between a married couple, that that is the most sustainable way mm-hmm. for farming going forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you can have an informal partnership, you know, yeah. or the formal partnership. And we're heading more now towards formal partnerships. You know, in the past, uh, the, the wife was often just on the farm, but it wasn't even an informal partnership. It was the lesser of the two. In our case, it was we both played roles. I had my roles, Tom had his roles, and we, we crossed over from time to time. We were both involved in agri-politics and everything was kind of shared. Uh, and around the kitchen table. Uh, but now I see a lot of the younger farmers uh, for inheritance purposes are going into formal partnerships. I think it's a great way to go. Yeah. It's a nice way for to transition a younger member of the family particularly. Uh, I know you were talking, you asked me about you know husband and wife, which is great too. Mm-hmm. And that's for the younger couple yeah. going into partnership. But I think from my point of view in, in IFA, we will be strongly pushing for the you know to see transition of younger people into farming. And whereas the older couple are not prepared to hand over yet, and it's good to bring in the younger person as a partner they get an opportunity to learn from the older couple without full responsibility they do have a good bit so depending on the part the the balance within the partnership but you're giving them responsibility and it's a good way of bringing them in gradually giving them responsibility letting them take over bit by bit and you do have you know the the there are partnerships that are five years for a transfer they're really important Uh, and a lot of those now are coming into effect and I'm delighted to see that happening because I often felt in the past that younger people weren't given the responsibility yeah there were the work curse on the farm they were paid yeah they were paid as well but they weren't given the responsibility and it gets very disheartening if you get into your late 20s early 30s and you're still the boy or the girl on the farm uh, that you're not you know you're not given uh, the responsibility and a lot of I see young women uh, daughters in particular now coming back to farm and they're very happy to go into partnership with their parents and it could be mother daughter, it could be father daughter, it could be mother father daughter, uh, all working in the one partnership, and it's I think it's proving to be to be very productive, and it will be very good from an inheritance point of view and from transition uh, from farm from younger older generation to younger generation. So I would be very much in favour of that because it's not it's financially beneficial, but it's also from that point of view of giving people the responsibility that they just don't feel that will will I have to wait till I'm sixty to get the farm, uh, and I mightn't hang around till I'm 60 to get it, you know, why yeah. should I? Uh, but I, if I know I have a say in it, uh, I, I will stay with it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it probably goes back to that comment around value. You know, if you have responsibility and you're given responsibility, I guess you feel more valued and feel more like you're sitting at the, the kitchen table, as you say, as an equal partnership rather than as a kind of a, either a, a person who's just working on the farm or somebody who's just helping in the background. So it, 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 it makes sense. But do you think that we need changes, the government needs to introduce mes- measures to allow that to be more done in a more tax efficient way? Do you think that we need to we do, or you need to seek those types of changes from government. Yes, I do. I, I think government have a good bit to play here. We have a, we have a lot of things we need to look at from the, you know from pushing people forward and, and, and inheritance and all of that. Uh, for example, I do believe the the whole capital acquisition tax needs to be looked at. The value there, I mean, three hundred thirty five thousand is such a low figure. Anyone living in a townhouse is worth more than that now, let alone a farm. So you are you know you're prohibiting uh, people from farmers from transferring land depending on you know I know there's there's tax reliefs and all that, mm-hmm. but but the overall figure is still very small 
at 335,000. I think that really needs to be looked at. Uh, we also need to be looking at, you know, some of the schemes that are available uh, both to men and women. Uh, like I give you an example, the, we in the Women in Ag Stakeholders Group as well as in IFA, we pushed very hard for to get um, the TAMS grant for which is to help young women. Particularly, we looked for an extra grant of 60 up to 60 percent, which was 20 percent more than the average mm -hmm. grant to, to to get women involved in farming. And we had great hopes for that, and we were promised great things. And it went in under the CAP 23, 27 proposals, and looked very well in Europe. We mm -hmm. I was at a meeting in Europe, and we were told women Ireland great, doing great stuff. You're moving ahead. You've you know you're getting this special allowance for women. Great recognition, and all was going great until the TAMS 3 was, was announced on the 22nd of June. The women's one was the last one to be announced on the out of 10 different ones. We were the last announced on the 22nd of June with the closing date of the 30th of June. Really? When we saw the T's and C's terms and conditions of it, it ruled nearly every woman in the place out because the terms and conditions were so tight. It only it was so I was a bit worried that that was lip service and I, mm -hmm. I, I don't like that. I like the idea that we were going to get it. I had hoped that it would be broader and we would be going back to the table looking for those T's and C's to be changed considerably to allow women to be recognised. And even if it's only a handful of women, yeah. those handful of women need that recognition. Yeah. Uh, it's actually it was almost an insult to women to be told that we they were building themselves up for this and planning what they were going to do and then suddenly discover we haven't a hope in hell of, of, of qualifying for this. So that's one of the areas I don't I don't want lip service. And I like the women in the, the women in farming dialogue, great. I really delighted to see it. But again, I don't want it to be lip service. You know, we can talk about, you know, it's great to have women on farm, it's great to have women involved in agriculture, the great value. But we have to show it in reality and the reality is by showing that you know that those extra grants will be available that women will be not just token situations and i i, I get a bit worried about women being put on boards and things as mm -hmm. token women um I, I like to see them getting on but the quota worries me a little bit now somebody did say to me you know quota is important because if you get inside the door you can make changes but I do worry about you know how it'll be perceived that if you if women are just put on boards to be token women yeah not good but at the same time we need to show that we want women on the boards we want the right women who have the right skills and they're out there in their loads okay. you know so yeah they're not scarce yeah and it's interesting two points i might pull on but first the quota it is an interesting and it can be so controversial um that you know may maybe women will feel that you know they are just token there that they're not their, their views or their comments aren't aren't really regarded in terms of the decisions that are being made but equally you kind of feel you go back to your point that you made around confidence if you put somebody on the board even if it is a token to start with actually if they believe in themselves and the value that they can bring they're contributing in a way that actually their voice will definitively be heard and they will be a part of it. So mm -hmm. I know it seems to divide opinion quotas, but I, I can see the merit mm -hmm. in it. Um, and again, but it goes back to there's no point in just putting someone on a board. You need to put them on the board and then give them the confidence, give them the skills to allow them to yeah. actively participate yeah. and be oh, a yeah. strong member. And I think some of that comes back to training women to, you know, in, in the skills coming up to that. And like being involved in organisations like, say, IFA and whatever, we get the skills by coming up through that. You get those kind of skills that are need to go on a board where you advocate on behalf of your organisation or you negotiate or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we need to be encouraging young women to get involved in whatever organisation it is. Preferably, of course, I'd love it to be IFA, but it doesn't have to be. It can be, you know, the women in ag, it can be the young women in dairy, it can be the women discussion groups that are around the country, mm -hmm. the Chagas women discussion yeah. groups all around the country in every sector. Uh, 
Uh, and I think it's so important that these young women come up through the ranks of those because then they will come with the skills and they yeah. won't be seen as token coming on the board. They will come with that knowledge and skill uh, and confidence coming on to a board. And that's that's really important. Uh, and I agree with you. It, you know, sometimes I said you have to get inside the door mm -hmm. to make the change and to show that you're capable. And that might have to be through a quota. I would prefer if we didn't have to go that route. Yeah. But in the meantime, we might have to use that to get there. Yeah, a needs must. Yeah, yes. agreed. Yeah. And just the other point I was just going to go back to is you mentioned Europe. How do you think we compare against, I guess, farming sectors across Europe in terms of female representation? Statistically, if you looked at the statistics, you will see, you know, some countries are way ahead of numbers of women invo involved in agriculture. But when you dig down deeply into it, when you see what they, what's considered full-time farming in some countries, and women are the, the, the key drivers in it, it's not quite like it is here. Uh, I sit on the uh, women in the, the the COPA group for women in in in, uh, in Europe, and I look at you know a lot of the women that are on that group, and they would say they're they're farming. And when you you ask what the farming is, they have a small little vineyard. They have a couple of acres <laughs> of a vineyard. They're considered a farmer, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's very different what you're considered yeah. farming in Ireland. In Ireland, you you have to be more than that to be considered a farmer. Uh, and again, the supports that women have, I, as bad as we are here, I think in a lot of the European countries, the women don't have the same supports even that, that we have yeah. here. Uh, and again, the constant one that keeps coming up at our meeting would be the lack of finance, women not able to access finance at all in, in a lot of these countries. So I suppose it depends on the country you're talking about. Statistically, again, as I said, if you look at the figures, you would think we were way behind. Mm -hmm. We were 13%. I think we are up on that now. I, I think the next round will show that we, we have more people full-time, more women full-time in charge of farms. But again, if you look at the type of farming that we do here and at the level of farming, you see, we, when we talk about full-time farming, it's someone who's in full control of the farm. If we were to acknowledge the number of women who are farming full-time but not recognised as the, the owner of the farm, we would be a quite a high statistic, I think, overall. And, and again, in some of those European countries, you have uh, some of the smaller European countries where you have the men uh, work off farm and it's the women are running farms because they're very small units. Yep. Uh, and the, the farm isn't the really the one that's making the money, it's the person off farm who's making the money, bringing it back on, and the women are just keeping it going in a small concern at home. So I think we have to be very careful when we compare statistics, that we need to know what's behind the statistics. Yeah. So as farming, as women go, I suppose, overall, we're, we're probably doing as well or better than most of our, our European counterparts. That would be my understanding from what I can see in the group that I work in anyway. That's interesting. And, and in many ways, it's a it's a positive message that you would like to hear. It doesn't take away from the measures that are needed, the mm -hmm. changes that are need to be made. But actually, even saying that, I think, is a really positive thing to hear because there has been so much change. Because I suspect if you looked back 10, 20 years ago, that would not have been the story. So, so change has happened. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I'm that's what really pleases me going. Mm. You know, when I look back to my mother's time, my mother never worked off farm she worked at home with you know with five brothers where she looked after the house till she got married and then she worked with my father uh, so she never she never had that and she never got the recognition for all the work that she put in all over her lifetime and when i look at you know my one of my sisters involved full-time in, in her husband with her husband on her farm i'm involved now with my husband full-time on the farm and worked with him 
when I worked off farm as well. And when I see the different roles that we play and the recognition that we're given for what we do, it's it's very different. And I and I'm delighted to see the younger women coming coming up along and that their place in society is being being recognised for the value that it is. Because we 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 we're multitaskers and we do huge work. Like we run the family home, uh, we rear the children in conjunction with our husbands. But you know, the, yeah. the, this the backbone is we're still the backbone of, of what goes on. But to give us recognition for that, but also to give recognition for the fact that we contribute in, and it doesn't always have to be the physical labour. Yeah. It's those other skills, as I said, that we need to be using on our farm that are equally as important and maybe more important going forward than the physical labour on the farm. Yeah, absolutely. No, completely agree. You mentioned you mentioned your mother. Um, if you were to go back to you as, as a five-year-old and you were to, knowing that you're going to spend so much time in such a male-dominated environment, what tips or tricks would you give to yourself to allow you to deal with those obstacles? And I'm, I'm interested to hear this because I know that you're obviously a retired teacher yourself. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing I would, you know, I would say to myself is believe in yourself. It's it, uh, it comes back to self belief, and if you believe you can do it, you have a very good chance of making it. And then to to get the skills that are necessary, to be aware that whatever you want to be, you're going to have to have skills to to do it, and to be open to all those skills. The University of Life is an amazing place and we don't have to go to any college to get that. It's there in front of us and it's to be awake to all those things that are available, the experiences. Put yourself out out of the comfort zone, you know, experience all the different things that are out there from, from the time you're tiny, from the day you start walking and talking, you need to be getting yourself those, you need just be open to that and as you grow older and into school and I see with when I was teaching with the kids I always expected the kids to think outside the box mm -hmm. to go that little bit farther to push themselves to be the best they could be and to never you, you I never told anyone that, or said to anyone you cannot do it if you can sing you can try and sing you can try a little bit even if you're going to be part of the choir and don't sing out loud just make faces as if you're singing you feel part of the choir you're actually getting a skill of being part of a group rather than sitting on the seat down at the back of the hall because you couldn't sing you felt part of the group whatever it was I think you need to open yourself that and then that gives you confidence and also not to be put down don't you'll always meet you know detractors along the line and you'll meet people who will say well why would she do that or why should why she shouldn't do that and but if you believe fervently and you believe it's realistic. Now you also have to be realistic, you yeah, can't yeah. try to be. But if you can be realistic about it, I, I don't think any door, there's any door that is shut so tight that you can't open it if you push hard enough. No, I, I think you're totally right. And I think it's a great life lesson to, as you say, just believe in yourself. It isn't always going to be easy. You're going to fall mm -hmm. down, you've got to pick yourself mm -hmm. back up again. But if you have that belief, then when you do fall down, you'll be more inclined to get back up again. So yeah, I think I think we, we will end on that note as a very positive way to look forward. But um, it's been really interesting listening to you, Alison. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak with me today. Thank you, Nancy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.